0: I can see a growing rift between the haves and the have-nots. Health is going to be the issue. And I, I don't think Boris Johnson's government has the radical reforming zeal uh, to take this issue on. So I think we're looking at a period where the government is going to have a really quite tough time, even if the Labour opposition aren't particularly strong. Um, and, I, and why that bothers me?
1: Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to This Week in Review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, who would have thought that so many months into this pandemic, we would still be talking about COVID. And that is, of course, our topic for this week. There's two sides to it. The first is that the cases have not increased as expected by the modelers. And secondly, this story about whether or not people had COVID going into hospitals or whether they caught it at the hospital. So you take it away, whichever one you want to focus on.
0: Well, look, I mean, you know, we were up at 50,000 new cases a day. We're now at about 25,000 new cases a day. And Dr. Doom, the modeler, who told us that mad cow disease would wipe out half the population, well, not quite, but nearly, Um, you know, Mr. Ferguson, um, who who throughout this, I don't think, has got a single forecast correct. Uh, You know, they were saying it was all going to be a disaster. Now they're saying, actually, through vaccination and through having had COVID, something like 87% of the adult population now have some form of T-cell immunity. Um, And now it all looks rosy and it all looks good. Um, And the government, of course, have opened up flights from 4 a.m. next Monday to people coming in from the European Union, perhaps with the exception of Hungary because of their vaccine, but more significantly, perhaps to the USA as well. Now, in terms of business, this is good news because there is only so much you can do in terms of developing business and new ideas via a Zoom call, I'm thrilled. Uh, That is happening. I'm hoping the Biden administration will reciprocate, although I have to just say as a quick side piece, the trust and confidence in Joe Biden is collapsing. I I mean, literally collapsing. Rasmussen, uh, the polling company, tracked this every week. I mean, Biden's support levels have been through a precipitous drop and it's a combination of things. Uh, One of them is Americans are feeling in their pocket the cost of filling up the car, the cost of paying for the household bills. You know, they're told that inflation's running at 5%. No one in America believes that and they really don't believe that. The border crisis, I mean, dwarfs the problems we've got in the English Channel. It's huge. Uh, But also increasingly, uh, we're seeing Biden at press conferences virtually breaking down. You know, he does not look fit. And, and you know you can use the word dementia or, 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 or whatever you want to do, but he does not look fit to be running America, and confidence is collapsing. So, so uh, you know it may take them some time to reciprocate the British offer, but all of that is good news. Uh, the pandemic is is a farce, an absolute farce. There are still hundreds of thousands of people a week being pinged, and indeed GB News, where I'm currently working, you know, half, half half the office aren't there because they've been pinged. So. We're going in the right direction. Uh, The government is still extremely cautious, but we are beginning to open up, and there is a feeling now that the worst is behind us, but that it's never actually going to go away. I think that you know that's the realistic way that we must look at it. Uh, A lot of commentators predicting you know a huge economic boom uh, once this is all over. I'm 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 far less convinced of that. I I I don't buy into the roaring twenties idea at all. Uh, I think that, as we've discussed in previous podcasts, I think that inflation coming back into the economy uh, you know, is going to be a real factor. Um, now, you know, when, it comes to, when it comes to where we go from here, uh, I think that the really big issue that is going to cause this government huge political problems is the NHS. You know, because the government approach to the NHS is, it's wonderful. Stand outside your house and clap. And isn't it marvellous? Isn't everything fabulous? Well, i tell you what, it's not. Number one, you can't get GP appointments. And that is really making the public annoyed. Why are we paying why are we paying GPs all this money if they won't actually see us? I mean, after all, after this call, I'm off to Waitrose. Um, and there's a woman there behind the desk at Waitrose with a Perspex screen. Why can't GPs do that? So lack of GP consultations. That has meant... Fifty thousand dementia cases have been missed over the course of the last year but that's the tip of the iceberg a third of a million people a third of a million who would have been admitted for cancer treatment or serious heart treatment have not been admitted to hospital we are five million operations behind the nhs can never ever catch all this up Uh, so increasingly what you're seeing is people going privately. So, so my mother this week, for example, had a knee operation, she couldn't wait any longer. She went and did and had and paid for it and did it privately. She's never used private medicine in her life. Fortunately, you know, we can afford that. But for those that can't afford it, and I, I can see a growing rift between the haves and the have nots, health is going to be the issue. And I I don't think Boris Johnson's government has the radical reforming zeal uh, to take this issue on. So I think we're looking at a period. Where the government is gonna have a really quite tough time, even if the Labour opposition aren't particularly strong. Um, and I and why that bothers me is we have squandered to a large extent the massive advantage we gave ourselves with an advanced vaccine rollout. We, as a result of Brexit, you know, and all right. Some people may say, "Well, oh, you would say that, wouldn't he? But as a result, I mean, just one little example. As a result of Brexit, we've removed some ridiculous red tape on the wine industry this week, making it much easier and slightly cheaper for wine merchants to operate. We should be doing that throughout the British economy. This is the moment we should be taking off as a country. Now, you know, the IMF, I mean, not that I like them very much, but the IMF are predicting that, that the UK will have the fastest growth of any country next year in the Western world. All of this is good. But I just get the feeling that on economics, the government are a little bit flat footed. They're going to be obsessed with the health crisis and and, and falling public trust. So I still believe that in relative terms, the UK is a much better bet than France and Germany and Italy. I just don't think that we will take advantage of this as much as we should.
1: I'm still worried about cases actually turning around as a result of Freedom Day. It seems to me that cases around the world where vaccination rates are high and where the virus was spreading quite a lot, they are seeing huge upticks in cases and it's calling into question the vaccines and the whole lockdown idea. Whereas the UK seems to be so far at least the exception to all that. It's got these falling cases in the days after Freedom Day. So do you expect that drop in cases to continue? Do you think there's well, optimism warranted here or are you worried we're
0: going to have another another wave effectively? Look, these things wax and wane, you know, they just do. And 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 the history of pandemics is, you know, a hundred years ago when they thought it was all over and it came back and it was even worse. So, so, I mean, you know, we can't be, we can't be too complacent about it. I think what we can say is all the evidence from the US and the UK is those that have had the vaccine are afforded a a very high degree of protection. Doesn't mean you can't catch COVID, doesn't mean you can't go in a hospital, doesn't mean you can't potentially die of it, but it does mean the odds of it, uh, you know, have have changed quite significantly. So I do think the vaccine's a success. I think the one area where there's gonna be a real debate on vaccines is with young people, because there are side effects to this vaccine. We can't bury our heads in the sand. There are side effects to all vaccines, but on balance, You know, we get, I mean, you know, on balance, we vaccinate our kids against measles, mumps and rubella, And there are sadly some cases where there are side effects, but we know overall, you know, since 1900, uh, you know, so many of these illnesses that led to huge child mortality have disappeared. But in the case of COVID, where, frankly, the statistical odds of somebody who's young uh, getting very ill or dying, are, 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 are minute. There's almost an argument now being made by some in the medical profession that there's a greater risk of a side effect of the vaccine than there is a risk of, of, of somebody of 12 years old getting ill through COVID. And I, I think that's going to be a very big debate as the autumn approaches, because Western governments are becoming ever more authoritarian. Uh, you know, Michael Gove, you're selfish, if you don't get the vaccine and to go to a nightclub or go and watch a soccer match in the autumn, you'll need to have proof of being double jabbed and a negative test from the day before won't do. No, you must get jabbed. Macron is going for full state control in France. That's going to be fascinating. I just I think he might, I think he might have bitten off a bit more than he can chew with the French because they are pretty rebellious. And so I, I do. I'm pro the vaccine. I think it has made a very big difference. Am I worried about another wave this autumn? Awesome? Yes, there probably will be another wave this awesome, But I think, in terms of deaths, it's likely to be pretty low. But, you know, maybe one or two percent of those that die every week in Britain. I'm, I'm guessing, but but that's, I think, the sort of magnitude we're dealing with. Um, but I I have to say. I would not want to see us rolling out vaccines to all of our school kids. I don't think it's necessary.
1: The financial economic fear is that there will be another series of lockdowns as a result of cases spiking, even though those benefits of the vaccine are in place. But what I really want to ask you about is, based on what you've just said, hmm. the argument for young people who are worried about that trade-off between the side effects of the, of the, of the vaccine versus the effects of the virus, the, the argument was that they needed to protect the vulnerable. But it seems like the vaccines are not having a huge effect on whether the cases spread, whether you can infect other people. And so suddenly that trade off shifts because you look at the threat of, of uh, the side effects from the vaccine and you wonder whether that's worth risking, given if you do catch COVID, the risk is very low and you're not actually protecting the vulnerable as much as we'd hoped. So. I just don't see how young people are gonna be persuaded once they see that trade-off.
0: No, I think that's right. And I think already we're seeing a a reasonably significant number of 20 year olds just saying, we're not doing this. We're just not doing this. And I kind of think Michael Gove pointing his finger, well, they might send two fingers back to him um, as a response, it seems to me. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, as I say, overall, on the economics of this, I'm still relatively bullish of Britain compared to the others. But I, I'm, I'm certainly not, uh, you know, being taken in by this idea of some massive, another huge bull market spike, uh, because things are going to be fantastic. And of course, one of the warnings there is China, uh, the Chinese stock market. A lot of those big firms have fallen quite sharply over the last few months. Something that investors haven't noticed, haven't even talked about, and kind of the clash between state communism and capitalism. Uh, you know, well, we know who the boss is, and it's President Xi. So, so I'm, you know, I'm looking towards this autumn. I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic uh, about things, and I am cautiously optimistic, but, but there's a fair bit of caution there, because I think we're headed for some quite rocky times. I think politically, I think political instability in America uh, is going to be quite high. We're seeing the signs of that already. And I think Boris Johnson, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? A lot of old Etonians breeze through life. You know with this huge degree of confidence and jolly good show and well done everybody um and it's all marvelous until it goes wrong uh, and when it goes wrong it unravels pretty quickly uh think of david cameron it just all went wrong and who is he now i mean if he, I mean, if he walked past you in the street you'd better remember who he was uh, and, and and kind of boris has been this incredibly popular political figure with massive leads in the opinion polls and he took on this well I suppose it was the Farage populist message, wasn't it really? You know, we're going to do brexit, we're going to take back control of our borders, we're going to regenerate the north of England, um, and apart from brexit, what success has he had? None. What does he stand for? I've no idea uh, so so i think I think you're going to see uh, i think you, you know, you're going to see a government lacking confidence uh, this autumn and possibly one that gets in in economic terms that starts to get blown around with the wind.
1: And that's if they do survive whatever the the political consequences are of this NHS story and I guess the financial and economic consequences of the pandemic. They'll
0: survive it, because I don't think the Labour Party have a, you know, a a leader that connects with ordinary folk um, or or any sort of coherent philosophy. Um, But I think we're headed towards, I think we're headed towards a period of political disillusion, actually. And interestingly, the ingredients for another kind of UKIP are there. I mean, they really are there. You know, a party that comes in uh, that's got some strong opinions, that argues very heavily for supply side reform, for relaxation of regulations, for helping the six million, the six million people out there who are self employed, running their own businesses acting as sole traders I mean, a really hugely important chunk of the UK economy in terms of the people they employ, in terms of the taxes they pay, and in terms of producing genuine economic growth. It's not half a dozen big firms that drive growth, it's, it's millions of small firms that drive growth. And I think if, if the Conservatives don't understand that uh, that really is the Brexit dividend, the ability to help those people, inspire those people, um, if the Conservatives don't get it, then I, I wouldn't discount a political force coming along and taking that space. Uh, In answer to your question, it won't be me. Uh, I had quarter of a century doing it. Uh, I think I achieved a reasonable amount. Uh, I couldn't face the prospect of doing it all again, but I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that happening.
1: In Germany, the FDP, the Liberals, are getting a lot of support as a result of all these lockdowns, so it's a similar story there. Nigel, thanks for joining me. Thank you.